Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Pearl Harbor in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. I always like doing these statistics episodes for older films you know i it's it's great to kind of get a i don't know what you want to call it but a um i don't know just when i do the statistics episodes it's about the way that this these new movies are impacting all of these people and having this huge ripple effect throughout the entire spreadsheet that i use and uh it, it maybe i don't know maybe maybe not maybe maybe not but I think it goes a little uh, underreported, perhaps, that the same thing is true when I watch older films. And I've done a couple of older statistics episodes, for sure, but every once in a while I like to keep do them, especially when they impact as many people as Pearl Harbor does, uh, just to kind of keep things up. And one of the nice things about doing these older films is that uh, part of the statistics that go completely overlooked with newer films are the Academy Awards because newer films, I'll either I'll see them before the nominees are released or the winners are released, and therefore, you know, I won't know what they end up getting nominated for. So, Pearl Harbor, an Oscar nominee and winner in its own right, uh, I do have that information in front of me, and so. It is part of the statistics for Pearl Harbor. Uh, so without any further ado, let's get into the statistics for Pearl Harbor. This is a 2001 film. I last uh, I saw it on January 25th. Uh, recording this on January 27th, this episode will be released on January 21st. 30, or 29th, most likely. And uh, it's three hours long. It's a few minutes shy of three hours long. I had not, I, you know, Pearl Harbor is a film I've known of. I've, I've been familiar with. I was alive when it came out, but, uh, I, and I, and for the record, I wasn't even aware that it was as long as it is. I mostly avoided it. Um, I guess when I was younger, because it, I don't know, war movies didn't have a ton of appeal for me. And then the older I got, uh, it doesn't have a great reputation, so I had no reason to go see it then. And now I finally decided to go back and see it. It was the longest film uh, in one of the folders I have on my computer, and so I decided eh, it's time. It's finally time uh, for a couple of reasons that I'll get into as we go through this. I gave it a 32. I think... Uh, you can check my Letterboxd review, but I, I think primarily it's a film that I really, I generally assume that if a film is bad that was directed by Michael Bay, Michael Bay was absolutely one of the main reasons it was bad. And I don't think that's true with Pearl Harbor. I think the quote-unquote Michael Bay elements um, are generally fine. Uh, the explosions, the visuals, the, uh, the you know, sweeping the low telephoto angles and so so on and so forth i I don't didn't really have a problem with those in pearl harbor i do think the film ends up being very much you know gung-ho america 
red, white, and blue, whatever. And that's eye-rolling a lot of the time. But he didn't write the film. He doesn't, you know, give it all this crappy dialogue, so I can't blame him for that. So, uh, as much as, you know, the director's at fault for the film in general and all the pieces coming together, I think this is one of the better... You know, he, he's one of the better things about this movie. Uh, however, like I said, the, the the writing is not great, and I think most of the performances are pretty, pretty bad. So, 32. It has a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. For the year of 2001, Pearl Harbor ranks 105th. And for my spreadsheet overall, Pearl Harbor ranks 6,518th. So, not not super high. It has a 2 on the Bechdel test. I'm pretty sure in its 3 hours, uh, despite having many female characters involved, uh, they only ever talk about men. Um, So, there's that. It is a PG-13 film. It is an action film and currently ranks 843rd on that list. It is a drama, currently ranking 3,260th there. And a romance, currently ranking 1,014th. For romance films not part of a series my brief synopsis of pearl harbor is the attack on pearl harbor interrupts a love triangle uh which is a little reductive um a little uh kind of antagonistic i would say uh, toward the movie it's obviously more than that there's a lot more going on but for the most part the first hour and a half of this movie is generally just the love triangle and then all of a sudden it is interrupted by Pearl Harbor and that's so I I think it's fair I think it's a fair fair statement to make um Oscar nominations Oscar nominations four nominations for Pearl Harbor they were all tech noms it was nominated for best original song uh which it did not win uh that win went to Monsters Inc it was nominated for best sound editing and it did win that It was nominated for Best Sound Mixing, which it lost to Black Hawk Down, although technically the category was called Best Sound at the time. And it was nominated for Best Visual Effects, which it also lost. Uh, That went to The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. So, all in all, uh, you know, it won an Oscar. It got four nominations total. It's not a bad day. Not a bad day at all for... Um, for a Michael Bay movie. Moving right along, let's talk about Mr. Bay himself. So, directors, this is the 14th film of Michael Bay's I've seen, and that is all of them. Those are all the films he has directed that have been released, as far as I'm aware. Uh, Michael Bay, it increases his average film rating to a 30.5. It is his seventh film, rated between 25 and 49, and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Pain and Gain and ahead of Bad Boys. He has a value of negative 17, a score of 9.69, to be ranked 3,411th overall. One spot behind Dennis Duggan, Dugan, maybe, who directed Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, The Benchwarmers, Grown Ups, and so on. And uh, Michael Bay has one spot ahead of a bunch of people all tied uh, behind him, including, let's see what you might know. 
Um, we'll go with, uh, man, I don't recognize most of these names. Let's say David Carson, who directed Star Trek Generations. Or I could say Noah Hawley, who directed Lucy in the Sky, which came out this past year. Michael Bay's direction um, is is just constantly made fun of. I, I don't think it's good. I think he, you know, he, he's, he likes to, I, I, I subscribe to the belief that he makes movies that he would enjoy. Right, and I think any director makes movies that they would enjoy. You, you, why would you make a movie if you wouldn't enjoy it as a director? Uh, why would you write a movie that you wouldn't enjoy, and so on and so forth? But he's the person that has all of the authority, right? He's the person who's making the decisions, who's making the calls, he's combining, he's giving notes to the actors, notes to the writers, notes to this person, that person, whoever. He's saying bigger explosions, smaller explosions. I don't think he'd ever say that, but he—he's—he's he's in control. And so these movies, the Transformers movies, Armageddon, The Rock, uh, you know, Pain and Gain and, and The Island and 13 Hours, the Bad Boys movies and Six Underground and whatever, he's making the final call and he's making these movies as if he were the one watching them, if he was the fan. He's the person in the audience and he's loving every second of what is on screen. And that's great. And, and if he enjoys all these movies that he's made, uh, you know, the only ones I would say he might not enjoy are the Transformers movies, simply because he was stuck in that franchise for so long uh, that, you know, maybe he got tired of it. But if he enjoys all these movies, uh, you know, that's great. And and if he wants to keep making them, that's fine. But I really wish they'd stop giving him so much money to do it. Uh, that is the problem for me. I, I, you know, he can make movies that, you know, pain and gain can't possibly have costed you know half of as half as much as you know some of these transformers movies from a budget perspective uh but the, the suffice to say his movies are all explosions his movies are all you know masculinity it oozes out of his characters uh whether it's a fighter pilot in pearl harbor whether it's um shia labeouf in, in transformers or ryan reynolds in six underground there are all these hyper masculine guys who and like the women are over sexualized that's absolutely true in Pearl Harbor uh and he's just he just doesn't have he has no tact he has no nuance there's, there's nothing under the surface of a Michael Bay film it is exactly what you see there is nothing more and to that effect uh there's a reason why I have never given a single film he directed a, high, a positive score the highest rated one I've seen is The Rock, and I only gave it a 55. So, um, you know, the, the, that's no different in Pearl Harbor. Kate Beckinsale and Jennifer Garner and the entire, you know, female nurses side of this movie are just, you know, pawns to be used for the men, the male characters, the way they talk about them, the way they reference them, the way they look at them, and so on and so forth. It just... You know, the there's no depth and, and dimension to the female characters in his movies. And again, he didn't write this one, but at the same time, you know, it's not a coincidence, I guess, is what I would say. So, who did write Pearl Harbor? Well, uh, Randall Wallace, 
Randall Wallace. This is the third film of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 34.67. It's his only film, rated between 25 and 49, and second best movie overall, coming in behind his Oscar win, Oscar-nominated screenplay uh, for Braveheart, and ahead of Heaven is for Real. Uh, he has a value of negative 2.5, a score of 18.3 to be ranked 4,948th overall. One spot. <clears throat> yeah. One spot. Oh, wow. Behind over 100 people who are tied just above him, including, um, I don't know, let's say John Guy, who is a writer on Mary Queen of Scots. And he is one spot ahead of James Greer, and Jonathan Bernstein, who wrote The Spy Next Door, and Unsane. And uh, he's the only credited writer on the film, Randall Wallace. Uh, so Braveheart is a beloved film. A lot of people I know really enjoy it. A lot of people love Braveheart, you know, Mel Gibson and all his commanding glory. And uh, that's great. I like Braveheart um, enough. I am not super over the moon about it, but I think it's a solid film. And uh, it kind of shows, I guess, the sort of peak of, of what this type of movie could have been. A, a war-driven, a combat-action-driven film with a male lead or leads, you know, whether it's Mel Gibson or Josh Hartnett and Ben Affleck, uh, you know, defending their country, defending their people, rallying everyone around them, etc., uh, etc., uh, Braveheart does not have nearly as big of a romance subplot as Pearl Harbor to the point where I wouldn't even call it a subplot in Pearl Harbor. It is the main plot of a large percentage of the film. And I think that's where the writing kind of falters. Uh, you know, for a film this long, I don't... I guess I don't know why it's this long. I think, you know you're making a war movie and saving private ryan has already been done already been done at this point which didn't really have a romantic side to it and you want to do something a little new you still want to have the big bad guns and, and shoot them ups and and woo america stuff and pearl harbor has that but to make it different to make it new to make it make it unique-ish i guess uh you throw in an hour or so of romance in the first third of the film and I don't know I, I think the film that takes place in the first half of this movie is much much better than the film that takes place in the second half Kate Beckinsale, Beckinsale's character and the entire group of women who are in this movie disappear for the most part of the second half of the movie uh, you know there's a lot of cliche but effective drama in the first half as characters mis you know theoretically die or theoretically don't die and, and you know lives are changed and drama and crying and all and so on and so forth but it just because it's separated like that and because it's more of a first half second half film it it feels so much so much more lackluster than something like Braveheart which is a lot more focused a lot more direct a lot more intentional and and singular in its vision which Pearl Harbor just does not achieve uh, for me. So, yeah, does not. The writing, writing's not great. So, 
uh, let's look at the people involved. And there are a lot of them. So, you know, bear with me. I will try to cover who everyone is as I get to them. We're going to start with Thomas Arana. Thomas Arana, who plays a vice admiral. No name given. Uh, this is the 11th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 72.27. It's his second film, rated between 25 and 49, and worst movie overall, coming in behind American Satan. He has a value of 9.5, a score of 70.65 to be ranked 63rd overall. I'll be honest, I did not even know he was in the movie when I saw it. I don't remember him being in it at all. I'm glad he was. Uh, you know, I don't see a lot of Thomas Arana movies, and he's very highly rated. Uh, like I said, 63rd overall, one spot behind Suzanne Ridgway, one spot ahead of Takashi Kato. Kato. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of the people in this movie play some ranking official in the military, navy, armed forces. He is no exception. Next is Pat Healy. This is the 18th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 63.83. It's his 7th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 18th or worst movie overall, coming in behind Small Crimes. He has a value of 5, a score of 62.45, to be ranked 263rd overall. One spot behind Arlie Ermey, and one spot ahead of Jessica Harper. Pat Healy... Uh, plays a newsreel guy. Newsreel guy. Next up is Tom Sizemore. This is the 14th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 61.36. It's his second film, rated between 25 and 49, and 13th best movie overall, coming in behind Mark Felt, colon, the man who brought down the White House, and ahead of Dreamcatcher. He has a value of 6, a score of 59.69, to be ranked 412th overall, one spot behind Quentin Tarantino, and one spot ahead of Anna Lee. Tom Sizemore gets a couple of uh, lines in the movie, as opposed to some of these other guys we've already mentioned. His name is Earl in the film. I believe he's one of the... Uh, uh, he's on the one of the um, aircraft carriers, if I'm not mistaken that Josh Hartnett and his crew descend upon at one point, I think. I think. Next is Dennis O'Hare. This is the 18th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 59.78. It is his fifth film, rated between 25 and 49, and 10th best movie overall, coming in behind... Or, sorry, it is his... Wow, I'm looking at the complete wrong name. I'm mistaken completely. This is not Dennis O'Hare, uh, whether, I mean, maybe he's in the movie, but uh, that is not who's next on the list. The next person on the list is Daniel Mays. This is the 11th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film range to a 61.82. It's his only film, rated between 25 and 49, and 10th best movie overall, coming in behind Nanny McPhee and The Big Bang, and ahead of Victor Frankenstein. It's a value of 5, a score of 57.31, to be ranked 572nd overall. One spot behind Mark Webber, one spot ahead of Dennis O'Hare. Uh, Daniel Mays plays pilot number three. Pilot number three. Dennis O'Hare is not, not in the movie. I uh, just, uh, he's just one column, one, one row below, and that's why I said it. Moving on. 
Beth Grant. This is the 27th film credit of hers I've seen, dropping her average film rating to a 57.78. It is her fifth film, rated between 25 and 49, and 23rd best movie overall. Coming in behind, City Slickers, Colin, The Legend of Curly's Gold, and ahead of Flatliners. Has a value, 3.5, a, a score, 57.29, to be ranked 576th overall. One spot behind Marin Ireland, and one spot ahead of Emily Blunt. Beth Grant uh, plays the role of motherly secretary, uh, which I assume is one of the women in charge of the nurses in some sort, perhaps, maybe. Uh, next is Scott Wilson. This is the 13th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 58.15. It is his second film rated between 25 and 49 and 11th best movie overall coming in behind the heartbreak kid and ahead of the animal has a value of two and a half a score 52.9 to be ranked 919th overall one spot behind david pamer and one spot ahead of john patrick amadori scott wilson is general george c marshall again lots of lots of uh Lots of generals and admirals and whatnot all over the place in the film. Next is the person who I feel gave the best performance in the film. He gets like two scenes, uh, but he absolutely kills them better than any of the other main actors. And that's Michael Shannon. This is the 41st film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film range to a 54.98. It is his 14th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 33rd best movie overall, coming in behind... She's funny that way, and ahead of Vanilla Sky. He has a value of negative one, a score of 51.42 to be ranked 1,068th overall, one spot behind Roy Scheider, and one spot ahead of America Ferreira. Michael Shannon plays Lieutenant Goose, Goose Wood, uh, and I think he just knew what movie he was in. He, he's a little campy. He's a little uh, over the top, but... He also, I don't know, he, he played into, while I think a lot of the actors around him, and particularly the major performers, were giving dramatic performances, trying to amp up the drama, the romance, and whatnot, Michael Shannon wasn't concerned with all that. He was just dry, humoring his way through this movie, and uh, it's, it's great. He's great in it. Next is Cuba Gooding Jr. This is the 19th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 54.53. It's his sixth film, rated between 25 and 49, and 16th best movie overall, coming in behind Judgment Night and ahead of Snow Dogs. Snow Dogs. He has a value of negative one and a half, a score of 47.83 to be ranked 1,473rd overall, one spot behind Jack Rayner, and one spot ahead of Jeannie Berlin. Jeannie Berlin. Uh, who was in Inherent Vice and The Heartbreak Kid, nominated for her role in The Heartbreak Kid. I presume that is the an older version of the movie. And uh, Cafe Society, among others. Cuba Gooding Jr., um, we get him in... Jeez. Uh, he's Dory, Doris Miller. He's on one of the freighter carrier hel uh, aircraft carrier ships and he is a i guess he what works in the kitchen but he also boxes 
It's how we get introduced to his character. He boxes. Um, that's about it. Next is Sean Gunn. This is the eighth film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rate to a 58.25. It is his second film rated between 25 and 49 and worst movie overall, coming in behind the Belko experiment. He has a value of one, a score of 47.6 to be ranked 1,495th overall. Uh, one spot behind Alias Shawkat and one spot ahead of Zhu Wing. Zhu Wing, who was in Looper and a voice role in Mulan. Sean Gunn, who you may recognize from the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise and uh, other Marvel films, where he is not only in, not only a real person, but plays the motion capture of Rocket the Raccoon. Uh, here, he is just a uh, traction sailor, just sitting in the background. Next is Graham Beckel. This is the 13th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 54.92. It is his fourth film, rated between 25 and 49, and 11th best movie overall, coming in behind Peacock and ahead of Atlas Shrugged Part 1. Has a value of negative, one, negative 0.5, a score of 47.1, to be ranked 1,557th overall, one spot behind uh, Judith Anderson, and one spot ahead of Alexa Demi. Graham Beckel. Uh, plays Admiral Chester W. Nimitz, uh, whose name I wouldn't know, but whose face I do. Uh, he's also been in such films as L.A. Confidential and Bullworth and Brokeback Mountain. He's got a very rugged look to him, uh, which serves serves him well in, in a film like this. Next is Ewan, Br- Ewan Bremner. This is the 22nd film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 53.91. It's his 10th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 18th best movie overall, coming in behind Turks and Caicos and ahead of Exodus, Gods and Kings. He has a value of negative 2.5, a score of 46.92, to be ranked 1,580th overall, one spot behind Maria Dizia, and one spot ahead of Barry Corbin. Ewan Bremner actually gets a little bit of a role here. As Red, uh, he plays kind of a stuttering mess of a pilot, supposedly. And, uh, you know, he marries um, Jamie King? Question mark? Not sure. I think he marries Jamie King in this movie. Uh, but, you know, he's... Um, it's an exaggerated... Uh, stutter and and that side of it. I don't know. It didn't work for me. Anyway, uh, next is James Saito. This is the ninth film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rate to a 55.89. It's his third film, rated between 25 and 49, and eighth best movie overall, coming in behind Wilson and ahead of The Sea of Trees. He has a value of negative 0.5, a score of 45.23, to be ranked 1,802nd overall. One spot behind Judah Friedlander, one spot ahead of Chris Tucker. James Saito. So we do get a little bit of a glimpse into the Japanese side of this film. Uh, Not anywhere even close to the amount of perspective we get in in the more recent film Midway, which came out last year, which also not good. Uh, But James Saito is one of the many Japanese actors who appears in the film, which is good. Uh, I'm glad to see and 
a little bit of a little bit of subtitle action in your Pearl Harbor. Next is Peter Firth. This is the ninth film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rate to 55. Even it's his second film rate between 25 and 49, an eighth best movie overall, coming in behind Mighty Joe Young and ahead of Risen. Has a value of zero, a score of 45, to be ranked 1,826th overall. One spot behind Winona Ryder, one spot ahead of, down the list, Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. Um, what do we got? Peter Firth uh, is the, plays the role of Captain Mervyn Bennion of the USS West Virginia, one of the many ship captains uh, in the film. Next is John Voight. This is the 26th film credit of his I have seen, dropping his average film rating to a 51.85. It is his fifth film, rated between 25 and 49, and 21st best movie overall, coming in behind Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, and ahead of Anaconda. Has a value of negative four, a score of 44.14 to be ranked 1,952nd overall. One spot behind um willow shields and one spot ahead of katherine newton john voigt getting a sizable role here plays president roosevelt and it's no surprise uh, that pearl harbor wasn't nominated for best makeup and co- or uh, yeah makeup and hair design because the prosthetics on voigt are not good in my opinion they're really really bad and uh, i didn't i don't know he it's not a situation where he gets a ton of time devoted to his character like say Lincoln and Daniel Day-Lewis to really flesh out this president and so he just kind of ends up looking and appearing and and acting like a caricature of Roosevelt uh, more than anything else so John Voight next is Tony Curran this is the 14th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 51.43. It's his fourth film, rated between 25 and 49, and 11th best movie overall, coming in behind Flight of the Phoenix and ahead of Thor The Dark World. He has a value of negative one, a score of 44 even, to be ranked 1,959th overall, one spot behind Ellen Page, and one spot ahead of Ikkyo Sawamura. Tony Curran plays, I believe... Uh, on, on IMDb, he's just listed as, quote, Ian, but I believe he is a British uh, pilot or, or someone involved in the British military. I recall seeing him uh, when Affleck goes to join the British Army. Uh, there's planes that fly overhead, and Tony, and Tony Curran's character kind of like looks up and watches them. That's all I really remember of his role. He may or may not have had a line of dialogue. Next is Leland Orser. This is the 19th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 50.16. It's his 8th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 13th best movie overall, coming in behind Alien Resurrection and ahead of Daredevil. He has a value of negative 3, a score of 42.38, to be ranked 2,175th overall. One spot behind Richard Madden, and one spot ahead of Peter Green. Leland Orser... Uh, plays Major Jackson. I'm trying to remember here. He is. He has a scene that he shares with Kate Beckinsale right after. Um, after the Pearl Harbor stuff has all happened, uh, he she pleads to him basically to kind of make sure nothing happens to uh, Josh Hartnett and Ben Affleck's characters and. 
he may or may not do it. And he and she saves his life earlier in the film, which is why she believes he'll listen to her. Next is John Deal. This is the seventh film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average for mine to a 52.43. It's his third film, rated between 25 and 49, and worst movie overall, coming in behind Stargate. Has a value of negative one, a score of 39.78 to be ranked 2,541st overall. One spot behind Cameron Mitchell, one spot ahead of Leslie Sharp. John Deal uh, plays a senior doctor. Moving on. Next is Yuji Okamoto. Okumoto. Uh, this is his seventh film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rate to a 52.29. It is his second film, rated between 25 and 49, and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind the game and ahead of Driven. Has a value of negative one, a score of 39.67 to be ranked 2,554th overall. One spot behind David Harbauer. Harbour? Harbauer? Uh, one spot ahead of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, Okamoto is a Japanese shy bomber. So again, getting a little bit of glimpse into that other side of the war, quote-unquote war, the bombing, rather. Uh, next is Michael Milhone. This is the ninth film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rate to a 49.22. It is his third film, rated between 25 and 49, and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Tin Cup and ahead of Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. He has a value of negative one and a half, a score of 38.77 to be ranked 2,670th overall. One spot behind Mark Marin and one spot ahead of Matthias Schonartz. Michael Milhone plays an army commander. No name given. Next is Alec Baldwin. This is the 44th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rate to a 49.48. It's his 13th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 31st best movie overall, coming in behind Rock of Ages and ahead of The Shadow. He has a value of negative 10.5, a score of 36.83, to be ranked 2,927th overall. One spot behind Hattie Morahan and one spot ahead of Melanie Griffith. Alec Baldwin has a sizable role in the film, especially towards the end. He plays Doolittle, not to be confused with the good doctor. And he kind of is the ranking officer, the next up the chain from Affleck and Hartnett's characters. And he is given a lot, I mean a lot, of like gung-ho American uh, this is not a boy's game. This is a man's game. This is a, you know, I would give my life and, and fly my plane into the nearest Jap building, whatever. Uh, he gets a lot of that. And none of that does anything for me. And in fact, it actively turns me off of the movie. So Baldwin, I mean, he he, he delivers the lines well enough, but it's still bad writing. Uh, next is Glenn Morshower. This is the 16th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film range to a 47.13. It's his fifth film, rated between 25 and 49, and 12th best movie overall, coming in behind The Men Who Stare at Goats and ahead of The Island. He has a value of negative 5.5, a score of 36.39, to be ranked 2,991st overall. One spot behind Brooke Shields, and one spot ahead of Ken Watanabe. Glenn Morshower, which... It's a very interesting name, Moore Shower. 
uh, M-O-R-S-H-O-W-E-R, is Rear Admiral William F. quote-unquote Bull Halsey Jr. It's a name. That is quite a name. Next is Guy Torrey. This is the fourth film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 54.5. It's his only film, rated between 25 and 49, and third best movie overall, coming in behind Runaway Jury and ahead of The Animal. He has a value of negative 0.5, a score of 35.83, to be ranked 3,063rd overall. One spot behind Sean Hatosi, and one spot ahead of Angelina Jolie. Guy Tory plays Teeny Mayfield. Um, I recognized him in the movie, which is most of the reason why he made it onto the spreadsheet because he doesn't have a ton of, um, or all, or rather, he he was, what's he really? An Oscar nominee, Guy Tory. That doesn't sound right. I think I'm a miss. Uh, yeah. I don't know why he has that attached to him whatsoever. Um, Guy Tory, uh, who was in Runaway Jury, a movie I very much enjoy, and also in American History X, another movie that I think is quite good and don't really enjoy. Uh, yeah, recognized him from those, and you know, there's other movies that I saw on his list that I knew I would watch, so he's here. Guy Tory. Uh, in the movie, he's playing Teeny Mayfield, as I mentioned. Next is Sung Kang. This is the ninth film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 47.22. It's his second film, rated between 25 and 49, and seventh best movie overall, coming in behind The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, and ahead of Fast and Furious. He has a value of negative three, a score of 35.64, to be ranked 3,091st overall. One spot behind Rodney Dangerfield and one spot ahead of Rhoda Griffiths. Sung Kang, of course, you know, justice for Han and all that, is in this role, in this movie, uh, credited as listener. That's it, just listener. So make of that what you will. Next is William Lee Scott. This is the eighth film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 46.75. It's his only film rated between 25 and 49 and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind The Magnificent Seven, the remake, and ahead of Gone in 60 Seconds. He has a value of negative two, a score of 35.4 to be ranked 3,121st overall, one spot behind Shawnee Smith, and one spot ahead of Pedro Pascal. Yeah, The Mandalorian. Um, what's his name? William Lee Scott is the role of Billy. He's actually a main character in the film, for sort of, I guess. Uh, I don't recognize him. I'm not really familiar with his role, with, uh, you know, him as an actor. But he is Billy, and he is fourth build in this film, uh, right after Affleck, Hartnett, and Beckinsale on IMDb. So clearly he's very important, and I don't remember a damn thing about him because he's not memorable. Next is Colm Fior. This is the 13th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rating to a 47 even. It is his 7th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 11th best movie overall, coming in behind The Prodigy and ahead of Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit. He has a value of negative 5.5, a score of 35.23, to be ranked 3,153rd overall. One spot 
behind Moises Arias and one spot ahead of Samuel West. Comfior, who just has a great name. It's a really, really fantastic name. Uh, plays Admiral Kimmel in the film. Next is Kim Coates. This is the seventh film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film range to a 46.43. It's his fourth film, right between 25 and 49, and sixth best movie overall. Coming in behind Resident Evil Afterlife and ahead of True Memoirs of an International Assassin. He has a value of negative two, a score of 34.11 to be ranked 3,305th overall, one spot behind Paris Hilton, and one spot ahead of Bruce Davison. Kim Coates, who gets this really, like, grand introduction in the film, and I really don't think he plays a significant role in any part of it, um, but he plays the role of Jack Richards. He, Jack Richards. Next is Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. This is the ninth film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film range to a 45.67. It's his fifth film, rated between 25 and 49, and seventh best movie overall, coming in behind Memoirs of a Geisha and ahead of Mortal Kombat. He has a value of negative 3.5, a score of 33.86, to be ranked 3,331st overall. One spot behind Ali Alexander and one spot ahead of McKenna Grace. I love McKenna Grace. Uh, Tagawa... Another one of the Japanese uh, performers in the film. He plays Genda, who is... Man, not, not really sure without a title in front of it. But presumably he, by getting an actual name, he has a, a speaking line or two, maybe, uh, discussing the attack on Pearl Harbor and, and what that... And sort of strategizing about that and the couple of scenes we get lead up to the attack itself. Next is Josh Hartnett. Finally, a main character, one of the big three in the film. Uh, this is the 15th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rate to a 45.73. It's a sixth film rate between 25 and 49 and 12th movie overall. Coming in behind Halloween H2O 20 years later and ahead of Mozart and the Whale. He has a value of negative seven, a score of 33.35 to be ranked 3,389th overall. One spot behind John C. McGinley, and one spot ahead of Elizabeth Perkins. Now, Josh Hartnett plays Danny Walker, best friend of Rafe McCauley, which is Ben Affleck's character, and uh, the ensuing love triangle involving Kate Beckinsale. I don't particularly love Josh Hartnett. I think he's an okay actor, just generally speaking. I kind of liked him in Penny Dreadful, but that was many years after Pearl Harbor, and I think he got, you know, he, he matured and grew up and got better as time went on. This is 2001. I don't particularly enjoy Josh Hartnett in the film. On the other hand, I think uh, he's much better than Ben Affleck is, for what that's worth. But neither of them really holds a candle to Kate Beckinsale, so take that how you want. And uh, she can do better than either of them, quite honestly. So, Josh Hartnett. Next is the aforementioned Kate Beckinsale. This is the 17th film credit of hers I've seen, dropping her average film rate to a 44.35. It's her sixth film, rated between 25 and 49, and 11th best movie overall, coming in behind Contraband and ahead of Underworld colon Blood Wars. She has a value of negative 8.5, a score of 31.18, to be ranked 3,639th overall, one spot behind Norman Reedus, and one spot ahead of Tim Heidecker. Kate Beckinsale plays the role of Evelyn Johnson, who, 
early in the film falls in love with Ben Affleck's Rafe and uh, things happen and she falls in love with Josh Hartnett's Danny and more things happen and Danny and Rafe hate each other and and used to be best friends and now they're at odds and, and, you know, they have to kind of get over it. Um, Yeah, there's a, there's a part of this movie. So, so clearly they felt the need to keep the romance thread going throughout the end of the film. Fine, I get that. I understand why that's there. However, however, I, I don't... I mean, like, the movie's almost 20 years old, so I don't feel that bad if I gave away spoilers, but I do still want to avoid really giving away spoilers because this isn't the review episode. And, um, like I said, there's a point in the film where Beckinsale falls in love with Danny, Josh Hartnett's character. It happens after she falls in love with Ben Affleck. And how they choose to wrap up Evelyn's romantic thread where she ends up at the end of the film is very, very eye-roll-inducing. I, fe- I, you know, I didn't know what happened at the end of the movie when I watched it, but there's a part about an hour and a half, or I guess it would be about two hours into the movie, where I figured out there's a, a couple, there's an exchange of dialogue between her and Ben Affleck, and I'm like, oh, I get it. I understand what's going to happen now, and I already hate it. And, of course, that is what happened, and I did hate it, and Kate Beckinsale deserves better. Next is William Fichtner. Fichtner, Fichtner. This is the 28th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rate to a 45.93. It's his seventh film, rated between 25 and 49, and 18th best movie overall, coming in behind The Perfect Storm and ahead of The Lone Ranger. He has a value of negative 13, a score of 29.87 to be ranked 3,772nd overall. One spot behind Robert Davi, and one spot ahead of Kate Micucci. William Fickner uh, plays uh, Danny's father. That's Josh Hartnett's father in the early part of the film. Next is Nicholas Farrell. This is the 10th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rate to a 40.3. It's his third film rate between 25 and 49, and 7th best movie overall, coming in behind The Iron Lady and ahead of Amazing Grace. He has a value of... Negative six, a score of 27.58 to be ranked 4,004th overall, one spot behind Joe Flaherty, and one spot ahead of DJ Qualls. Uh, Nicholas Farrell, which I I may be emphasizing his name incorrectly, Farrell, Farrell, uh, plays an RAF squadron leader. That's it. Next is Dan Aykroyd. This is the 30th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rate to a 44.33. It's his 10th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 20th best movie overall, coming in behind Yogi Bear and ahead of She's Having a Baby. He has a value of negative 15, a score of 26.56, to be ranked 4,103rd overall. One spot behind Lachlan Monroe, and one spot ahead of Louis Anderson. Dan Aykroyd is playing the... Um, oh, what's his name? Patrick Wilson role from the new Midway film, uh, which is to say he is the guy who, uh, his name is Captain Thurman. He's the guy who's basically trying to interpret and decipher the message of the Japanese and, and, and predict what their plan is going to be before it happens. And of course, Pearl Harbor happens, so therefore he fails in his duty, but you know, we root for him anyway. 
Next is Eric Christian Olsen. This is the 10th film credit of his I've seen, dropping his average film rate to a 38.2. It's his third film, rated between 25 and 49, and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind License to Wed and ahead of Warning Labels. He has a value of negative 7, a score of 24.83 to be ranked 4,255th overall. One spot behind Minka Kelly, and one spot ahead of... Cameron Esposito. Esposito. Uh, he plays a gunner. That's it. He just plays a gunner. Next is Ben Affleck. 38th film credit of his I've seen. Drops his average film rating to a 45.76. It's his 17th film. Rated between 25 and 49 and 26th best movie overall. Coming in behind Live by Night and ahead of Killers Kill, Dead Men Die. Has a value of negative 19, a score of 24.48 to be ranked 4,294th overall. One spot behind Joey King and one spot ahead of Natasha Leggero. Like I said, I'm, uh, this, or I guess I didn't say this yet. I don't like Ben Affleck either as a, as an actor. I think he's given some good role performances, but I don't think he in himself is a good actor. Uh... So here he plays Rafe, initial love interest for Kate Beckinsale, and then things get wonky. Uh, the best part about the film from a Ben Affleck standpoint is that he spends a lot of the movie not in it for reasons unknown uh, or for spoiler reasons. But um, he is in the movie, and you do have to contend with his bad acting. So Ben Affleck getting... Very close to the end, I can feel it. Next is Jamie King. This is the 12th film credit of hers I've seen, dropping her average film rate to a 38.42. It's her 8th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 8th best movie overall, coming in behind White Chicks and ahead of Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. She has a value of negative 9.5, a score of 23.43 to be ranked 4,367th overall, one spot behind Matthew Lillard, and one spot ahead of Joel Kinnaman. Jamie King... Uh, I think is the one who gets married to Ewan Bremner in the film, or at least is in a relationship with him. She plays Betty. Betty, one of the many nurses. Next is another nurse. A uh, very big-named one who I didn't did not know was in the film until I saw it. Jennifer Garner. This is the 22nd film credit of hers I've seen, dropping her average film rate to a 41.55. It's her 8th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 13th best movie overall, coming in behind The Kingdom and ahead of Valentine's Day. She has a value of negative 15.5, a score of 22.58, to be ranked 4,428th overall. One spot behind Matthew Morrison, and one spot ahead of Gabrielle Rose. Jennifer Garner plays the role of Sandra, another nurse with very little impact on the film. Next is Randy Oglesby. What a name. Oglesby. He's got eight film credits that I've seen. Drops his average film rating to a 34.38. We're close to finding somebody who may have increased their average film rating. I don't know if we will, though. Uh, this is the fifth film credit of his I've seen. Dropping it... Or, uh, Third, fifth film of his rated between 25 and 49 and third film overall coming in behind Independence Day and ahead of Shop Girl. 
He has a value of negative 6.5, a score of 21 even to be ranked 4,552nd overall, one spot behind Candace Bergen, and one spot ahead of Rada Mitchell. Oglesby uh, plays a strategic analyst. And he's the last one. We did not quite find somebody who actually increased their average film rating with a 32 film, but we came kind of close on a couple of occasions. A lot of people in the film, a lot more than I even got to, uh, but that's um, that's just where we're at. That's just what the film is. So, uh, moving on. Uh, the film, Pearl Harbor, drops the total, the average rating of action films to 47.17, drops the rating of dramas to 56.84, and drops the average rating of romances to 52.36. It increases the average Bechtel test score of all the films I've seen, with a Bechtel test score currently slotted into them, uh, to 1.43. Uh, it got four Oscar nominations, one win, as I already mentioned. It may or may not show up on Circle Film Awards. We are, I'm a long ways away from getting to 2001, so it'll be a f many years until I get to, um, not many, but a few years at least before I figure that out. I think the only thing it would really contend for is special effects. Maybe song? Maybe. Um, so the year. Interesting. I, I like also getting to talk about years that aren't 2019, 2020, or whatever the current year is at the time of the episode I made. So for 2021, uh, Pearl Harbor is the 137th film I've seen released in 2021. Uh, it is the 100, one of the 132 films I've currently seen this year. Uh, uh, it lowers the average rating of 21, 2001 films to 54.43, lowers their tomato meter to 56.85. I have now seen films, I've now seen enough films that I've seen 21 Oscar winning, Oscar wins, and so I hate the way of phrasing this, uh, there were 24 Oscars given out in 2001. I've seen the films that comprise of 21 of them. There were 109 Oscar nominations in 2001. I've seen the films that comprise 87 of them now. Uh, it is the 27th action film. It is the 66th drama and the 19th romance that I have seen from 2001. It decreases the ratio of good to bad films to 1.07. Uh, increasing the number of bad films to 57 so 61 good films 57 bad films from 2001 for me right now as a two on the Bechdel test is part of the 3.65 percent of films released in 2001 that got a two on the Bechdel test it's very it's kind of threading a needle to get a two on the Bechdel test um it turns out apparently it's pg-13 film it is the 17th of those that i've seen from 2001 and the 890th of them overall uh, that number's probably low, simply because I haven't rated everything with its MPA rating so far. Yeah, there's about 2,000 of those missing. And finally, this is a film that I gave a 32 to. And uh, it is one of the 92 films that I have given a score of a 32 to. I don't like saying that. And that represents 1.08% of all the films that I have seen, approximately. 1.08%. Some of the other films that I've given the score to in more recent memory, Pet Cemetery from last year, Tolkien, 
Terminator Dark Fate, Lucy in the Sky, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, we can go back a little bit. Heads of State, Ice Princess, All Dogs Go to Heaven 2, Willow, Enemy Mine, Thunderball, Tom Thumb. And you can go all the way back to, to 1895. Uh, over a hundred, 125 years ago to Annabelle Serpentine Dance, the earliest film that I gave a score of 32 to. That is it for Pearl Harbor. A lot of stats to get through. I can't believe this episode is an hour long. I didn't, I specifically wanted to record it just this moment uh, of a mon- on a Monday because I didn't expect, because, I, you know, statistics episodes are a lot easier to get through since almost everything that I say is pretty much ripped out of my spreadsheet in some form or another. And yet it still took me an agonizingly long amount of time to do this. But it is what it is, and it had to be done. I guess it didn't have to, but it has been done. Pearl Harbor Statistics, thank you for listening. Thank you to Brian, uh, the best Patreon subscriber. I have the most charitable of them all. If you would like to subscribe to the Circle of Film podcast on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash circle of film, where for as little as eight cents an episode, you will have early access to all of the episodes that are released early. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, uh, I totally understand and would not begrudge you that at all, but you can do so by liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, or telling somebody about the show. You can also just listen. It's the best thing. Just listen. That, That means the most to me. If you'd like to find more inform- more stuff from me, I'm on Twitter at Circle of Film. I don't tweet a ton, but I am there, and I do tweet anytime a new episode comes out. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film uh, and see all the movies I'm watching and reviewing. You can also email the show, circleoffilm at gmail.com, to tell me why anything I say is wrong or right. Both of those are appreciated. You can find more episodes, iTunes, Stitcher, most places where podcasts can be found, or you can head over to the website, circleoffilm.com, where all the old episodes are there, including much, much more. Thank you for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from me. Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.